0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Vinyl Countdown, the podcast where I, Jeremy Levine, break down my favorite vinyl releases from cover to cover and everything in between. On this week's special Thanksgiving episode, <laughs> I will be covering what was the long-awaited second album from da- Sad. Huh, sorry, Sad Dad Superstars, American Football, their second album called American Football. Uh, or also referred to as this LP2, uh, and their latest album is just like LP3 because all of them are self-titled records. But this record, Good God Almighty, it's so good. I love it so much. Seriously, from start to finish, it's incredible. Um, it also came along at a time in, in our my family's life that um, yeah, everything was really up and down, and... I kind of forever associate it with that time period and it makes it really difficult emotionally to listen to. Uh, But I make it through regardless. And, you know, usually have a great time. Uh, Fun game I like to play. Listen to that record while out in public and see if I cry or not. So much fun. Uh, Anyway, let's get, let's get on down to variant corner. So there are four pressings available. Uh, There's orange, which is the one that I have, which um, through my research, it looks like that's kind of just like the standard retail version. Um, Never found a black variant, which is odd, Uh, but whatever the case, uh, there's also an orange and red Starburst, a silver metallic for the UK market, limited to 300, and a gold metallic for the US, limited to 3000, billed as an early bird edition. Now, the cover, uh, the pictures, you know, they're all really nice. They really fit in – they fit with the record extremely well, which, I mean, they, it should because that's kind of what they pay people for, right, to to do this kind of stuff for them. And um, the record itself, too, sounds pretty amazing, uh, which is always a plus. Um, I say that because uh, I, I didn't mention on last week's episode, but uh, the post record, they – it sounds good, but there are some, sometimes I've noticed, like, it doesn't sound quite as full or as, like, I don't know, I don't know if it's, if it's my pressing or, or what, but I have seen other people kind of talk about how that record in particular doesn't sound as good as it should, uh, but this record, like, like I said, it sounds great. So, um, I'd say that's about it for Very Corner, kind of a short one this week, uh, I mean, they're all like 15, 20, 30 bucks. I mean, like, it's, you can get one for a good price. So if you do, if you think about getting one, I totally pick it up, you know. Now, into the music. Track one, Where Are We Now? Uh, real quick, the, uh, every song, uh, every song title is the first line sung in that particular song. Uh, kind of a, I guess, fun fact because on their, First album, it was the last line sung in whatever song that was the song title uh, also, <clears throat> as I mentioned in the intro, that this record was the the long awaited follow up to that first record in uh seventeen years to be exact, so it was very very long anticipated record right um now from a consequence of sound. Uh, This is from their review of of the record. Uh, American football is a darker, more introspective experience than its predecessor, inviting us inside the house on that album's cover, only to discover that the locks have changed and the rooms are all occupied with ghosts. Uh, Opener, where are we now, makes this clear, using the house as a symbol of time's unrelenting thrust forward. He sings the lines, "Uh, where are we now? Both home alone in the same house. Uh, which is to say, you know, like they're, I guess they're so far apart emotionally that they might as well just be alone, you know. Uh, I'm sure we've all been there before. Um, the chorus too, which <laughs> we've, we've been here before, but I don't remember the lock on the door. Is it keeping me out or are you in? Uh, it sounds like there's been problems before, I guess, in, in the, the narrator's relationship but uh maybe this one's much more serious kind of you know hence the metaphorical locked door between them uh later he sings you know we'll we'll figure it out like the goddamn door we just need the skeleton key uh you know again skeleton key obviously you know it's like a master key like it can open any lock and whatever but um it seems like they don't figure it out with the the last lyric of the song where he says uh leave me or don't i don't care just let me know when you finally drag your body out of bed and I'll get my things. Oof. So it's a, it's just a fun song to open up the record with. Right. Um, uh, next up is the, my instincts are the enemy, which is my favorite song by them. Uh, period hands down off any record. And it has such a cool rhythm to it. Um, there's a certain melody, the the guitar, the drums playing off of each other, like it's it's perfect. Um, so he he sings in 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 one part. He says, you know, it says translate translate all the colors that I can't see. I think I'm in trouble. Can you explain why all the reds look green to me? The uh, the narrator here uses the hyperbolic mel- metaphor of red green color blindness to explain his inability to make out the differences and the subtleties in life. Uh, Based on his own perceived inabilities, he's unable to see things straight and relies heavily on his partner for answers. Later he sings, I'm paralyzed, engaged in a civil war. What can I do? Either way, I lose and you lose too. Days are nights and nights are unbearable. What can I do? Chained to this mood, you're chained to me. Now, the line in there, Days are nights, and nights are unbearable. For me, you know, it, that always reminds me of when Charlotte was born. Uh, my, my daughter was born in 2016. The record came out in 2016. Uh, she was three months premature. And so we basically lived in the hospital for nearly three months. And um, the I guess that line kind of sums that up. You know, it, it's, it plays to that and, and the feelings associated with that. Uh, also, the Civil War line, you know, like, what can I do? Either way, I lose, and, and you lose, too. And, you know, there were times that me and uh, Andrea, uh, we fought over things, I guess, and over my the perceived lack of feelings I had with the whole situation. But in reality, that was just kind of me trying to do my best to hold it together for the family's sake. Uh, I don't know. Like... I felt like I had to be uh, strong in a way um, to help everybody else kind of stay strong, like put on a stone face and like, don't really not say don't show emotion, but try to uh, ease, ease everybody else's like anxiety around the situation and, and try to be like the, the centering force. I don't know, but it, it came off as me not caring. So it felt like, at times like I couldn't win. Um, you know, no matter what I did. And, um, I don't know. I feel like if I gave into that, that feeling, the emotions, the, the despair, the, the helplessness and all that, you know, the result would be us both being sad and, and really in the end that doesn't help me anything, you know, uh, it's kind of hard to explain, but it, it was a very rough feeling and it definitely hurt at the time. Um, I mean, obviously we got through it all and things are wonderful now. And, uh, in case you're all wondering, Charlotte is now three and a half and you would never be able to tell that she was born at two and a half pounds and that early. And it's just, it really is incredible. You know? Um, but anyway, so I I know the song isn't about that, but for me, that's what I align it with, you know? Um, now, uh, another explanation about the actual lyrics you know, that says, uh, along with the self doubt comes self pity, as the narrator is raging against himself. He can't trust his own instincts, but those are what come naturally to him. To make matters worse, this struggle extends to his partner, who is figuratively chained to him via their relationship. Whew, okay, got through that. So, uh, track three Home is where the haunt is. Uh, quite simply, a relationship gone south. Imagine that. <laughs> this, this record has a, this record has a bunch of those. Uh, and it's just, you know, dealing with the feelings after that. Uh, he sings at one point, you know, the, the ghost in the corner of the room, he knows what y- you sleep in when you're dreaming of who some things never change. Maybe that's okay. So the ghost in this instance, obviously, is the memory of the, of someone who the subject was intimately familiar with. And, um, you know, who is also familiar with them, and though not physically there, the memories manifest themselves as a ghost of the missed person. Now, the subject can't get past the loss, and maybe, at least for now, it's okay. And, uh, you know, again, we've all been there. You know, this again, this album does a great job of conjuring those feelings and weaving an emotional story in each song, and, you know, it's really impressive. Uh, Born to Lose is up next. Uh, he sings, Dead Eyes and a Mouth That Can't Be Cleaned. I can only imagine where that dirty mouth is when it's not on me. Now, the lyrics of this song contain a lot of duality and contradictory thoughts. Uh, These lines appear to be a seemingly negative description of someone, but it's obvious that it's someone the narrator has a complicated relationship with. Um, It just, again, uncanny abilities make you feel sad. Like, really sad. And, (laughs) you know, I guess with that being said, though, sometimes it's good to think... Or it's good to to feel that way, or maybe maybe it's not good to be sad, but it's good to understand being sad and to explore it and try to navigate how to navigate it back to being happy or being quote unquote normal. I guess if that makes sense, Um, you know the idea that some people you know say, "Man, what if you're sad?" Or you're depressed, or you're having, uh, you know, just a just a hard time with things. Why listen to music that's also sad? And the reason is, at least for me, is that if you listen to something that can maybe you can maybe relate with, you know, relate to on that particular sadness plane, right? It can maybe someone else can verbalize what you're feeling better than you can. So you can hear them sing about it and say, "Okay, I'm not the only one." I feel that, I understand what he's saying, and maybe, you know, hearing it that way is a way to kind of help you feel something, and kind of help you feel that, and then maybe, you know, find a way to get out of it, too, you know, via music and everything, so, uh, you know, again, for me, that that's kind of, I think, where I sit with that, but, um, so the next song is, uh, I've Been Lost for So Long, uh, he says, uh, I feel so sick, doctor. It hurts when I exist. This isn't the pain I'm usually in. I hope it's not contagious. And it sounds super depressed, you know. Uh, one might go to the doctor and be like, hey, it hurts when I breathe or I walk. But for him, it's like, it just hurts because I'm here, you know. For anyone who, who's ever suffered through like a severe depression, I think it's a pretty good um, uh, description of that. Uh you know he 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 he's he also says that you know he doesn't usually feel this bad and hopes that the depression doesn't affect those around him and you know it's a bit dramatic but i mean it hits it hits pretty hard like it's uh you know i've talked about it on this podcast before and i have my bouts of depression my you know existential crises and you know things of that nature that get me down sometimes and kind of put me in a in a weird rut or a hole you know emotionally or just whatever and you know it sucks, but music can help to ease those feelings sometimes as a way to maybe explain again, like I said earlier to uh explain it in a way that I can't always do it or verbalize it and like make it make sense, like oh, okay, maybe this is why I feel this way or or I can relate to that and I can kind of kind of listen to something and then reach catharsis and like okay, that's yeah, so music is fun, <laughs> it's a great thing, right uh. Give me the gun is next, and here Mike Kinsella, uh, lead singer, says that uh, in an interview with NPR, the, the song is basically him checking up on a distressed loved one, and uh, it says, uh, "Give me the gun, I don't care if it's not loaded. I'm not here to question your motives, but I'm scared for us both." It's pretty heavy shit, and uh, um, losing a friend to suicide is never easy, obviously, and. You know, it always comes along with the weird questions of like, man, you know, could I have done something differently? Could I have helped in any way? And uh, maybe the guilt with—I mean, it's—it's it's a shitty feeling. But I think that this this song kind of plays to that, like the lyrics kind of play to that feeling. Um, but you know, that's all I'll say about that. Next song, track seven. I need a drink or two or three. Uh, very simply, the opening line says, I need a drink or two or three to fall asleep without you. Trying to drink your sorrow away or drink away the crushing feeling of being alone. Fun. Uh, <laughs> he says, next, <laughs> the next verse, it's, uh, I need a drink or two or three or four to spend any time alone with me anymore. Every day a chance to change, but the devil will find a way. As sure as the sky is gray, I'm going to die this way. Oh, how I wish that I were me, the man you first met and married. I'm tired of fighting, he sings later. Now, it's as if he just needs to a drink just to be with himself, just to, you know, which is like, fuck, that's fucking dark. And um, also being scared that, I guess, slipping into some alcoholic uh, whirlwind could possibly kill him, you know? Fun. Not really fun, but it's just like, fuck, dude, like it just... Just keeps on, you know. The, there's a reason why I ca- categorize them as sad dad music for a reason. This is why. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Track eight. Desire gets in the way. It says says, uh, Desire gets in the way. You can't hide such an ugly trait. I know it's not easy when everything you want's within your reach, but better the bed you know than the bed that you don't. Our narrator here is apparently criticizing himself, um, kind of sarcastically. Because uh, you know, usually uh, desire is an admirable trait, but in this instance, it's kind of uh, quote getting in the way. Um, so uh, uh, you know, the subject is it's getting in the way of the subject simply settling for the familiar. Uh, what he desires is seen as something that it was is within their grasp, but instead of making that little extra effort, they continue to kind of slide inside that comfort zone and just kind of hang out there and, and never do more to make their situation any better you know um kind of being in a relationship like that like being on autopilot just kind of going through the motions it's it's something <laughs> you know but um yeah so anyway uh everyone is dressed up closes the record and I uh, he sings in one part uh everybody knows that the best way to describe the ocean to a blind man a blind man is to push him in a uh i guess a clever way of implying that the best way to learn about something is to experience it firsthand even if it's unpleasant now with all the relationship things that i've discussed throughout the this episode throughout the record uh the hard parts the ones that ended and ended badly i will say this all of it i don't okay let me preface this statement with nothing happens happens for a reason like everything is coincidence that's that's all anything ever really is coincidence that's from 500 days of summer but it's true however i will say all of it is important and necessary i think in you know shaping you into the person that you eventually become in my case <clears throat> i think that it was necessary the all the things that i went through before relationship wise and just life wise and everything else Helped shape me into the person that I eventually needed to be, to find my "quote unquote" person in Andrea, and then also to be the father that I needed to be for Spencer and Charlotte. Um, now, with this episode coming out on Thanksgiving and all uh, the <laughs> the unfortunate, um, you know, story of Thanksgiving, like the genocides and all that kind of stuff that happened after the first Thanksgiving, it's a whole thing. Just just Google it, read about it that's not what I'm talking about. Just, I'm using this to be thankful, you know, to say what I'm thankful for, and like I said in the intro, you know, this album came out in a year where there were so many changes, some good, uh, like we bought our first house together, we got married, uh, we had Charlotte, uh, Spencer started school, uh, I got promoted, and then unknowingly, unknowingly got a different job that I really wanted in the same year. And, um, I mean, and then the bad, of course, the, uh, Charlotte and the hospital stay and the stressors associated with that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm thankful that despite all of that, we all came out stronger and not just stronger as individuals, but more importantly, stronger as a family. Uh, I'm truly thankful for everything we've gone through, uh, because again, I think it's all kind of served a purpose in the way, in a in a way, in making us who we are today. And um, you know, it's um, yeah, I guess I'm thankful for my family. And uh, as for the record, uh, five out of five, of course, just do it, buy it. I mean, you you will love it. I promise you. Um, as for this episode. This is the end. (laughs) So thank you all for listening. Uh, Rate and review on iTunes, please, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And for The Vinyl Countdown, this is Jeremy Levine. I hope to be in your ears next week. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Take care.